have begun the month talking about remain in Christ. That is our theme for this month. So I'm going to continue what Pastor Peter started last week. And he, he taught from John and talked about that we are to remain in Christ, that he is the vine and we are the branches, and that comes with pruning, that comes through trials. And we're going to keep on that similar theme today. I'm going to use a different verse. I'm going to use a verse from Hebrews. Uh, but we are sticking in that same vein of how we remain in Christ through difficulty, through hard times, through discipline. And you might think, oh gosh, round two of a heavier kind of sermon. But I think it's important because those are the times where it's difficult to remain in Christ. It's rarely the times where it's like, I'm getting all the blessings, all the good times are rolling. That those are rarely the times where you're tempted maybe to pull away and walk away from your faith. But it's through difficulty, it's through trials, it's through disciplines that we can feel uh, maybe this temptation uh, to not remain in Christ, to not abide. So uh, if you know me, you know I prefer just to pick a, a chunk of scriptures and we're just going to talk through it kind of line by line. So we're going to do that today with Hebrews 12. We're going to go through 17 verses. That's not quite the full chapter, so I encourage you to finish the chapter at home. But for the sake of time, we'll get through 17. Verse 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so we begin this passage here with this word, therefore. And so that means we need to kind of check what was said before that. In the chapter before, Hebrews 11, it goes through this list of the men and women of faith that came before us, that we can learn from their example. And so the writer is saying, therefore, since we have such great examples, now it's your turn. Follow their lead. Now you're running the race. You're in the race. You're the one running. So let's copy their lead and let's throw off every weight. This word weight here means like encumbrance, things that would slow you down. Back in the Greco-Roman culture of, of games, and a lot of times they would run and wrestle totally naked. This idea that you're like throwing off anything that might hold me back, anything that might slow me down from running. The full. I don't recommend running naked through your neighborhoods that... Uh, that, that will cause some problems. You'll get the police called on you. But this idea that we're to remove anything that might slow me down from running the fastest race and anything that might make me give up and grow weary and faint because it's taking away the energy. And so this is the picture that's being painted here of what we need to do to remain in Christ, to not grow weary. And we have this example, it says to look to Jesus as our example for the joy that was set before him. So we have this example in Jesus that his eyes were forward. It was for the joy that was ahead of him, not behind him, not, not good days that had passed, for the joy that was ahead of him. Now, was the joy ahead of him the cross? No, he, that, that was not the joyful thing he was thinking of. And we know that he, uh, it, it was a, a terrible thing to endure because he says in the Garden of Gethsemane, if there's any other way, if there's any other way to do this, let me do it that way. But the joy that was before him was being restored to the Father, being back seated at the right hand with the Father and knowing that he has opened the way for all of us. So he was looking forward 
through the trial for the joy that was ahead of him. And he is our example. Let's keep going. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted yet to the point of shedding your blood. And so we are to consider Jesus, that he is our example of how to remain in Christ, how to not grow weary or faint. And so we look to him and the point, we're going to pull out four thoughts from the scripture today. And here's our first one, that we remain in Christ by looking forward. For the joy that was set before him, all right, being restored, being back with the Father. That was the joy. So his eyes were forward. And we can remain in Christ by having eyes, our eyes forward. We're going to come back to verse 2 at the end and kind of tie this all together. But let's, let's keep reading verse 5. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? And he's quoting from Proverbs here. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. And this is part of what Pastor Peter had, had started opening up to us last week when talking about uh, the, the vine and the branches. And, and he said something that I've been thinking about all week. And he said, there's no time a gardener is closer to the branches, closer to the vine, than when he's pruning it. If you think about that, if you're expect, inspecting your garden, uh, I personally cannot keep anything alive besides children. I can keep them alive, but I'm not very good with plants. But if you're inspecting your hypothetical plants that you're, you keep alive, uh, when you're kind of going through, you're, you're, you're so close. You're looking at each branch. Okay, this doesn't look healthy. Let me pick this off. Let me clip this off. And there's an intimacy there when even there's a pruning. And that's what we talked about last week. And so we just want to continue this thought, this truth that... If you are a child of God, if you're someone in God's family, then there will be times that you have to experience his discipline. And that can be a difficult truth for, for us. Um, I have a friend who I'm very close to. We're in, uh, she's in my small group, and we've been friends for many years. And she tells her story about her life and her upbringing, and she had quite a dysfunctional and difficult uh, a childhood. And one of the things that we have talked about many times is she shared, you know, when I started getting in trouble, like even if it started small, like her grades were slipping or she was, you know, caught drinking at school or sneaking out at 3 a.m., you know, all these things that just started to escalate uh, from a middle schooler up through high school. And she said, each time nothing was said to me, my parents said nothing. They did nothing. And she's like, I would even go so far as to do crazier and crazier things. She said, and finally, I just came to the conclusion that they did not love me. They didn't care for me. It's like, you don't care if I end up dead on the street. That's how it made her feel to never receive discipline, to never be told, like, listen, you got to stop this. This is not safe. This is not okay. And so we have to accept this truth as believers that if you are a son, if you are a daughter, there's going to be times where the Holy Spirit is maybe convicting us and saying, you know what, this behavior, we've got to change it. This attitude, this habit, this pattern, uh, uh, we need to, to bring it into alignment with the Holy Spirit. There's a few more verses here on discipline. 
Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those that have been trained by it. And so we take today and we, we take this truth that we remain in Christ through discipline. We remain. We don't pull away when it's uncomfortable and we're having to go through things, change, change things, change sinful habits, change thought patterns, whatever it is. We remain. We abide in him. And it's even controversial to say these days a little bit that that discipline is a sign of love because now there's this whole question of what is discipline, what's abuse? And I'm not making light of abuse. Abuse is wrong and it's, it happens and that's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about the health, healthy, safe discipline that happens in a family to help train you in the way that you should go. Uh, if you know me and my husband's story, we have three children. All three are adopted. One was adopted from birth, and the other two joined our family two years ago from the foster care system, so they were a little bit older. And it was interesting watching this switch happen in their mind, the two that joined our family in foster care. So if you've ever, if you know anything about that, the way that it, that it works is you start by spending time together and so, uh, you know, in groups and then you get permission as you've gone through all your checks and everything. Then you get to have them for a day, you know, spend time with the child for the day. So they would come over and do like day visits and it's fun, you know, Chick-fil-A, swimming, pool, beach, let's go. And then once you do a few of that, then, then you get to have them overnight on weekends and then eventually they're placed with you. And then three months later, we were able to adopt them. But it was interesting watching them realize the difference between coming over for a fun day and being in the family. And so, you know, after maybe a few weeks of this, uh, my youngest one at the time was four. She was like, it was after maybe uh, having to clean rooms or eat vegetables or something. She was just like, oh, you never made us eat vegetables when we used to come over and just have these like fun days. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. We were just, we were just having fun. She's like, and I never had to clean my room. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. And so she sits there and thinks for a minute. And she's like, I think I want to look into having different parents. <laughs> and I said, well, that's fair. You know, that's, a, that's an okay thing to feel. I was like, explain. What, what are you looking for in parents? If you had an application, what would you want on it? And she's like, one that doesn't have consequences. One that doesn't have to do these things. And I had said, well, you know what? Whoever your parents would be, whoever your mom would be, they also would have consequences. They also would have a way, that they also will make you eat vegetables. It, I don't know that she still believes that to this day. We're still working on it. Sometimes she goes through a list of people like, does this person, does that kid have consequences? And I said, yes, he should. If he has parents that love him, then yes, he has, has to have discipline as well. And so there's something in us that really struggles with this idea of having to go through times of discipline or having you know, natural consequences for choices. All right, but we remain in Christ through those times. Let's continue. Verse 12, therefore, 
Therefore, so AKA, since it's happening, like since we're all going through trials, we all have to face discipline, we all go through difficulty. Since that's happening, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Sometimes our legs get broken. Sometimes our our joints are out of line through things that happen. Maybe it's something, choices I've made, that's broken me. Maybe it's things other people have done to me. Maybe it's just the trials and the difficulties of this life. But there will be times you're going to, we're going to face difficulty. And the encouragement to us is to lift up your hands, straighten out your legs, and remain in Christ. Don't let that thing, that situation, make you lame. Don't let your legs heal the wrong way out of joint to where you can no longer keep running the race of endurance. We are to remain in Christ through our brokenness. Remain. And there's so many situations, I'm not going to try to insert every type of example. There are many things in this life that cause us to experience brokenness by our own hands and by others. And I'm not making light of those things. I'm not saying don't do the things that need to be done for restoration or for healing or do those things. But we have to make the choice to remain in Christ, to strengthen your legs, straighten out the path so that you don't remain broken, (laughs) so that you can get back in the race and keep running the race that God has called you to. I'm under the same obligation. The thing that can be so, so sobering in this verse is this the root of bitterness that can spring up and cause trouble and defile many people. It's a sobering thought that if I'm not remaining in Christ, doing what I need to do to make sure my legs, however broken I feel, that I'm making sure I'm straightening my legs and arms, choosing to remain in Christ, then that bitterness can grow in me and affect the people around me. It's a a very sobering thought. So we remain in Christ through brokenness. This is continuing the thought that was said, see to it that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, even when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it. With tears. Now, for those that know the story of Esau and the, Esau and Jacob in the Old Testament, it might be kind of strange. It's like, why are why are they connecting? Why is the writer connecting sexual immorality with, excuse me, what Esau did? And let me tell you just real quickly, if you don't know this rest, this reference, uh, Esau was was a man in the Old Testament, and in this culture, if you were the firstborn son, then you were able to receive. Uh, this spiritual blessing from your father, from God, that you get the birthright. You're the one that receives this spiritual inheritance, this mantle. 
And there was a day where Esau came in. He was starving. He was so hungry. And he asked his brother Jacob, who had some character issues, definitely. He, it was a struggle. Jacob was always trying to, like, get a leg up. And so Esau's like, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. And Jacob's like, hey, I'll make you some food. Uh, but you got to give me something for it. And Esau's like, fine, what do you want? And Jacob said, sell me your birthright. Like, tell me that I get the blessing, the spiritual mantle that you should get, but I want it. And Esau's like, fine, what good does that do me right now, especially if I die from starvation? And so that's the story there. And so it's interesting. It's like, man, well, why are we connecting sexual immorality with, with this, the unholiness of Esau in that moment? But I can see the thread there. I can see the thread of this idea of exchanging something eternal, exchanging something temporary uh, for something temporary, changing something uh, eternal for instant gratification. And I'm guilty of that. I do that. I do that every day. I exchange these moments, these moments I have to connect with God. It's like, let me take a few moments. Let me connect with my father. Let me connect with the creator. And it's like, well, I, I got to get to work. I got to get to this. I got to do this other thing. Let me scroll on my phone. Let me watch TV. Let me, I do that every day. This exchange, this, this, this chance, this opportunity I have to inherit something spiritual, something eternal, to connect with the creator, and I exchange it for something for instant gratification, something that feels more fulfilling right now, something that is satiating a temporary need. I see that connection there, and I'm guilty of it. And so we remain in Christ through temptation. We remain we remain. We don't believe, don't let yourself believe the lie that there is something outside of Christ that will fulfill you eternally beyond just this moment. So we remain through temptation. I want to go back to that verse 2 and talk about this for a few minutes. Looking to Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured. He's our example and the example he gives us is that he was looking forward, eyes forward. He wasn't looking back on his life before ministry started, like life was good before I started to help people. He wasn't even looking back to his, before he came to earth, it said, for the joy that was set before him. All right, I'm going to get through this and I'm going to be reunited with my father. And so that is the example we have. And so my encouragement to us today as a community of believers is to not look back. Don't look back. Have your eyes forward. And I know eyes forward can be scary and unsatisfying because we can't control what's coming. We don't know what's coming. But our eyes are to be forward, heavenward on Jesus on whatever thing he's asking us to walk through and go through. Don't look back. Don't have your eyes cast back. The other example that comes to mind is Lot's wife in the Old Testament. I'll say it quickly if you don't know that reference. But, but God's judgment was going to come down on this city. It's a very sobering story. Most stories in the Old Testament are sobering because it was before the cross before we had uh, Jesus' sacrifice to pay for our sins. And so his, his judgment was coming down on the city because the city was doing horrific things to people. So God's like, okay, judgment's got to come. This isn't okay. And so he tells Lot and his wife, you need to flee this city. You need to get out. This is your chance. And do not look back. 
Go and do not look back on the life that you're leaving. And if you know the story, then you know that Lot's wife, while they were running and leaving the city, she does look back. And then she was no more. That was the end of her. And, and, and the, the lesson from that that we can still learn as it echoes through the centuries is that we are to not look back. And, and it's not just things that have hurt us. I know it's a natural tendency. We can be stuck looking back on things that have hurt us, things that have broken us. But there's also this looking back to things that were good. Man, I really loved that season. I really loved that last relationship. Or I really loved, and it can be hard to let go of even good things. But our encouragement this morning from the word is to keep our eyes forward for the joy set before him. We are to have our eyes heavenward to the eternity that is to come, to the inheritance that is to come. And it's so easy to get distracted by very important things but they're not eternal things. And so the wrestle that we're in is to figure out how do we do what's important here but keep our eyes forward. And so I want to close just by kind of addressing different groups of people that will be very generalized and stereotyped, but, but, but here we go. I just want to say to young adults in the room, to youth and young adults, remain in Christ. Remain. Don't let the Lord, don't let the siren song of this, this lie in society that says your individuality, your sexuality is the most important thing about you. And if you're not pursuing and indulging in everything you can, then you're missing out on life. It is a lie. It is a lie that will leave you so unfilled. It's like trading your spiritual inheritance, this mantle trading a mantle of holiness for a bowl of soup. And when those 45 seconds are over, you're left so empty. Because you're exchanging righteousness for instant gratification. You can do it. Remain. Remain in Christ. Trust Him. Trust Him for your future. He has good things for you. But the spiritual discipline you need to exercise is not just for the right now. It's for things that will help you in your future. Temptation doesn't just stop once you're married. So remain, remain, remain in Christ. If you're a family and you've got young kids, if you're in a season like me, it is busy. And I think that the the difficulty in this season is that there's so many things you have to do. You've got to pay your bills. You've got to take care of your children. You need to connect with your spouse. You have to keep growing spiritually. You've got to eat healthy. You've got to exercise. You've got to do all the things. And in this church, we're big on serving, so we want to keep serving. We want to stay in fellowship. It can feel overwhelming. And so the temptation this season is to pull away from the spiritual life because it's like, well, they'll understand. They'll forget. They know. Remain. Remain in Christ. Sure, analyze our schedules. Maybe we can remove some things. I'm not saying don't make changes, but remain in Christ. Don't believe the lie that it will be easier later. Then your spirit starts to fall asleep and it gets harder and harder to go back to things that used to be normal, like fellowship and small group and serving and feeding your soul. 
And if you're in a season that's ahead of me, maybe your children are leaving the house, maybe it's, it's time to consider retirement, you're no longer working, remain in Christ. Your journey in the spiritual life is not done. Don't believe the lie that says, oh, you're done, coast, sit back, relax. We still need you in this community. We still need, we need your wisdom. We need you. I need people like you to tell me you will get through this season. Remain in Christ. Show me how to not let a root of bitterness grow when I see relationships around me crumble and have dysfunction. Show me the way. Show me how you remain in the season that you're in. And for everyone I left out, because there's still a lot of categories, maybe you're single and older, maybe you're divorced, maybe you're disabled, wherever you are, remain in him. Abide in him. He is life. There is no life outside of him. There's a lot of things that sound good and feel good. But the easy path is a path to destruction. Remain. 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 Let's stand. Perhaps you've been like Esau. Perhaps you're like me. Me and Esau. And you realize, like, boy, I do, I do trade spiritual things for temporary things. I'm guilty of that. Maybe you identify more with Lot's wife, and it's like, oof, I just, it's so hard for me not to look back on yesteryear. Well, you can join me then in saying, God, forgive me. Forgive me, God for living for the moment, for things that satisfy me now, not having eyes that are looking forward into spiritual, my spiritual reality, into eternity. Forgive us, God. I'm going to have us end by singing this hymn. Don't know if you know it, uh, but I have been to help me. And so let's just, he's just going to sing it a few times. And let's let this moment be where you, where you reorient and you say, Jesus, help me. Help me keep my eyes forward on you, on eternity. That we find life in you, not life in things, in stuff, in wealth, in popularity, but in you. Look full in his wonderful face And the things of earth will go strangely dim In the light of his glory and Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and peace.
orient our eyes this morning. Help us to abide in you, that you are life. There is no life apart from you. Thank you, God, for your cross. Thank you that when I mess up, which I know that I will do, that all I can, all I have to do is stop and say, forgive me, Lord, forgive me. Strengthen my legs. Help me walk the straight path. Help me change. Help me be more like you. I thank you that you offer us the mantle of holiness. don't treat that with as much honor and fear and trembling as I should. But I want to be holy like you are holy. Help me remain. Help me abide in you. Help me let go of my hurts and offenses and failures. Keep my eyes on you. In your son's name.